Hello, everyone. Welcome to Crisis of Faith with Joe, Drew, and uh, James Earl Jones. <laughs> God, you sound so sexy today. That, that it's, gravel uh, voice. It's it's a lot to handle. I know. Uh, it's. <laughs> I'm not supposed to tempt others to sin, but here I am. <laughs> Showed him my upper thigh recently on Instagram. <laughs> that's right. uh, if you don't follow us on Instagram, that's the kind of spicy stuff you're missing, you're missing out on. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I actually shot a, was shooting a music video. This is the coolest like gravel voice issue ever. Um, we were shooting a music video uh, around a bonfire in the woods in the foothills of like near Charlottesville, Virginia in peak pollen season. <laughs> uh, and I got home at like 2 a.m. on Monday. Well, Tuesday morning. And uh, I've sounded like this for the last 24 hours. <laughs> I feel fine. Uh, but singing while breathing pollen and bonfire smoke resulted in me aging about 50 years in my voice man does megan know that you're like you're recording podcasts in your sexy voice and you're showing off some thigh on the instagram like are you, are you trying something here uh i mean at some point i would love it if she would uh listen to anything that i do or say <laughs> uh but no i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she listens to me all the time. We we live in the same house, but <laughs> we but should no, have her on I, I the show. I don't think she's in on any of that. We can do that. We could have her in on the show. Are you peeing in a cup? Yeah, I'm pouring a little. <laughs> you can't. I'm I'm gonna show the listener. I'm pouring a little coffee here from yeah. my travel mug into my regular mug. That's true. Uh, the listener should know. The listener should be aware. I'm going to go ahead and give you a full description. He said he's going to show you. Um, and he, then I'm looking at him on video. He didn't even show me. He, he put, I could see the bottom of the coffee mug <laughs> in, the t in the very bottom of the frame. So, oh, yeah, okay, coffee in a mug. Nice. Nicely done. It's very novel. All right, well, let's roll out that very special Jesus jingle. And then uh, I got to talk to you about something crazy I saw this morning. Preacher is Jesus, a white guy, and does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Or does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps? So, Joe, I, what do you think about that jingle? How about oh, that? That's a beautiful jingle. There's a jingle. Um, so this morning I was on Facebook um, doing my morning devotions, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just looking around for fun stuff, seeing if I, mostly I can get on Facebook right now to see if, uh, if your friend Josh is pissing at you a bit about anything. <laughs> that's, that's my yeah. new, that's my new routine. Um, but a pastor that I used to work for <clears throat> had posted something that was so bizarre and strange that uh, I just thought I should read it and uh, and get your reactions. This is someone that I, I worked for for a couple of years. Um, 
and he was like this at the time uh and i would just like you know just whatever all right that, that's something but he posted on 4 4 easter sunday oh, okay. L- on 4 4 los angeles had an earthquake that measured a 4 on the richter scale whoa at 4:44 in the morning prophetically that's a god thing man 4 is the number of the earth mm. i believe this is a message from god that he is shaking the earth <laughs> Oh, I'm not done. I want to read the. (laughs) But God wanted to send us a message that He's shaking the earth. So guess how He did it? He shook the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Little on really right on the nose, God. Little. uh... (laughs) Uh, Wow. Does it really take a prophet for that one? Um, (coughs) Okay, I believe this is a message from God that He is shaking. The Earth. I feel a little bad. We've never done this before. We're not just like making fun, okay? I, I want to make fun more of. He's a pretty decent guy. He's fine. Um, a little loopy, a little loony, um, but <laughs> but I just I need I do need to make fun of a little bit of myself for not uh, have taking as much of an issue as I should have with this stuff when I was working for. This. I would just be like, yeah, well, he says that kind of stuff instead of saying, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. I believe this is a message from God that he is shaking the earth. The purpose of the shaking is so the kingdom of God can oh, arise. Well. Yeah. I believe revival is coming to the world soon. Hebrews 12 says God will shake the earth so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. The things that cannot be shaken is the kingdom of God. Are you ready for revival? And I ask you, Joe, are you ready for revival? Yeah, I am. Um, so just from a theologian's standpoint, is that how, is that how this works? <laughs> well. If God wants to tell you he's shaking the earth, um, <laughs> sometimes does he just like, does he shake the earth? I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, so it, at four forty four on four four, <laughs> right. measured four on the Richter scale. There is, you know, there's a lot of this language, this uh, cosmic, um, you know, the moon turns to blood and earthquakes and the whole thing language in the Bible. And I'm I'm only mentioning this because we'll get to it when we're talking about the teachings of Jesus. There is some of this stuff in the Jesus tradition. Um, that like when the kingdom of God comes, there's kind of a climactic thing that the only language we can really use to describe that is this cosmic, like shaking the earth language. Yeah. So that's there. I think it's a little bit shitty of God. If to point that out to us, uh, (laughs) God sends an actual earthquake. (laughs) Um, it's like, it's just, it's, it's a rude way <laughs> to it do is. it. It is. Well, like, think about it, if you're asleep on the couch <laughs> and someone wants to wake you up, <clears throat> there's a nice way to do it. Or you could just go and shake the couch until they fall off of it. Um, 
Yeah. So what, what's what's your what's your take on the numerology aspect of this? The fours. Four yeah. is the number of the earth. What's house four the number of the earth? I I don't know anything about that at all. There's uh there I mean there is numerology stuff in the Bible that's yeah. There's there's a lot of crazy woo woo numerology stuff that people yeah impose on the Bible, and so I'm like that's there. But then there's also some real stuff. It really is part of the culture, um, and like real some stuff stuff like six and seven. Like yeah. six being a, a human, like a man, number a number representing man, and seven being a number representing God. I think yeah. is pretty I think, yeah completion and a pretty and regular imperfection, line. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there are things there are numbers in the Bible that are symbolic, um, and legit scholars who know stuff about that, but I'm just not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is something that I just remember this when I worked for this guy. <clears throat> it, it would come up regularly. Like, we were constantly talking about numerology stuff. and Oh, really? Anything that happened in life ever was just like, oh, you're having a baby on the 25th. Well, you know that 25 is the number of babies. <laughs> so, so yeah, it turns know. out your baby will be... A baby. I don't. I don't know what the. I don't even know how it worked. But the reason that it hit me today is like because I see him post all the time, and it's mostly, you know, he's actually to his credit one of the more harmless uh, evangelicals like that I still see stuff from. Um, I mean, it's a little crazy, but it's not harmful. He's just saying like, the kingdom of God is coming. Um, I'm like, I sure hope so, uh, but maybe let's not wait for something. Maybe let's actually like do what Jesus said to bring it, um, or else he'll shake the earth. He'll shake the kingdom right into the earth. <laughs> um, but the thing that's a little, a little jarring, I think, is how differently I read that now. Hmm. That part is almost a little bit scary um, because I do think that wherever I am in my walk with this and wherever I am in my relationship with this, there are millions of people like me who are like, would like, we're not buying it, but we're also not saying anything about it. (laughs) We're not, we're not fully accepting this. We're kind of making, making fun. I mean, that was, that was such a huge part of my tradition was like, like making fun of the stuff that we believed in. (laughs) <laughs> is that what do you mean by that you mean exactly I'm like uh like speaking in tongues or something like that i think i oh, talked okay, about yeah, it yeah, i think yeah. I, I talked about a guy on the podcast at one point that was like kids from his church came up to him at church camp and said uh hey i spoke in tongues today and he looked at him deadpan and said prove it speak in tongues right now um and like we thought that stuff was hilarious and a friend of mine told a story about uh a guy that stood up in one of his church services and um and gave a message in tongues so like yada yada lot a lot a lot and then after it came into english king james version english to give an interpretation so the idea there was like you speak in a heavenly language and no one understands it and then somebody's supposed to interpret it like um i don't know why we don't just skip the middleman on it but that is <laughs> that is how we would do it yeah um and the interpretation, so he, he 
yelled out in tongues, like stopped the service. The preacher was talking about Santa Claus. It was around Christmas, and he was just like, "This is this. He's not the reason for the season. Jesus is." And okay, so this yeah. this guy interrupts, um, message in tongues, and then interprets it. Uh, Thus saith the Lord, <laughs> layeth off Santa Claus, for he doeth a good work. <laughs> And then sat back down. And that is objectively hilarious. That's great. I have no problem with that kind of thing happening in Appalachian Christianity. But as but we also Wait, believed in it. Like we're I have a question about this. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So it, I've never I never really spent any time in um Pentecostal churches. Is that how it goes? Do like do people just interrupt? the the sermon or interrupt the music or whatever to shout out an interpretation that's my first question yeah um well hold on to your second one okay yes so there are two different types of speaking in tongues in the tradition that i come from one is what they would typically call a prayer language which is more along the lines of what it seems like the apostle paul is talking about pretty regularly not when he's talking about spiritual gifts he talks about something else in there i I'm not sure I agree with that, but that is that would be the the party line of the tradition I come from to say there's a prayer language and we can all do that at the same time um, in altar calls and you'll just so if you walk into a Pentecostal church you're likely to just hear gibberish from every person in the room like yeah, just I've just seen doing that, that and that praying I've for heard. people and like but then there's also another thing that's actually considered a and I don't know about this one this this I'm a little more open to or at least you know open to saying like i think that's what the bible actually says um that there is a spiritual gift among the list of spiritual gifts that is um to give messages in tongues or the interpretation of messages in tongues and the way that my tradition would would have uh let that manifest itself was someone would stand up they could interrupt the service at any given moment um, interrupt preaching, interrupt music, whatever, uh, speak in tongues, and then someone else is supposed to, but a lot of times they would just do it for themselves, someone else is supposed to stand up after that because God is going to give you the interpretation of what was just said. Um, there's a lot to be said about that, a lot of interesting things about, like, you know, how even in the thing that we point to the most in from my tradition was Acts chapter 2, where they're like, yeah, this was the sign that the Holy Spirit was like, well, yeah. And when they did that, there were people from all over the world who heard their language being spoken. Like, so are you speaking Italian right now? Did you just yeah. did God just teach you to speak <clears throat> Italian miraculously? Or are you just jibber jabbering? <laughs> um, yeah, I, it seems like that might even be a third thing. So yeah, that's happening in Acts, and that's the way that I mean. Even when I was still very deeply into, um, I, I don't, I, I don't turn my nose up to all charismatic um pentecostal doctrine and teachings like i think there's a lot more there that i would say you could arrive at pretty honestly from a, from reading the new testament just somewhat literally not that doesn't mean i agree with it or believe it all but i have less of a problem with that than i do with i'm a christian that's why i carry a gun so like <laughs> yeah, you right. know what i'm saying like that's um i i'm a little more hesitant to like make fun of that because it's not i don't know you you could you could 
some of those are like those are conclusions you could come to. I don't know why you yeah, would. Sure. I think it should have. I think it should add more value to the world than it does if it's really from God. Like I think God's a little more interested in you know working with people to bring about restoration and redemption, not so much like getting them sweating on each other and and spitting in tongues and all that. Like I don't know, um, but it's a little less harmful. Uh, so yeah, at any given point, somebody could just do that. That was part of the tradition. Did that? I can't even remember what the actual yeah, question was. That, that yeah, no, that does that answers the question. Um, so I know this is not what we're doing today, or maybe it is. We'll find out. Um, but I'm just interested. You know, we've never done an episode on speaking in tongues. We did kind of an episode once where we talked a lot about like just your experience and how it functioned in like you're thinking about who's in and who's out, but we've not like looked at the text of the Bible or looked at the history of it or whatever, which would be interesting. I don't know very much about it. So, um, but here's my other question. Um, so somebody stands up in the middle. Oh, and I think, uh, sorry, on a sidebar (laughs) for a question. Um, it's there is something cool and democratizing about that, right? Yeah, you can interrupt the preacher, you can interrupt the musician. Like the 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 most important thing happening is not the uh, the leadership, the official like sort of hierarchical leadership. Yeah, uh, the most important voice is the person who stands up in the middle and speaks because uh, they get to interrupt everything else. I, there there's something cool about that. Um, my other question is so okay somebody stands up and and gives a word in tongue somebody else interprets does anybody ever look at that guy the the, the interpreter does the does the speaker in tongues ever look at the interpreter and say no that's not what that meant i never saw that oh so i <clears throat> there's a couple it more. really gives the interpreter the the they're the one with the power yeah right yeah absolutely absolutely um I never witnessed that. Um, I did witness a couple of times. So another fun little thing, and there's a scriptural rep. This is another one of those things where I'm just like, all right, (laughs) I can't imagine that's the point. I can't imagine that's the way you're supposed to interpret that. But I also can't say that you just made it up. Um, Like you didn't, you didn't just make it up. Uh, But I, I have seen uh, like the pastor, whoever has the microphone, if there have been two, Messages in tongues. Um, and then a third person stands up to do it. I have seen a pastor say, whoa, 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 stop there. We only do two. Oh, interesting. So they won't, like, let it go completely to that. Like, we're not just going to do that all day. Um, so I, I have witnessed that. But, no, I've never seen the the interpreter, like, or the person who gave the message initially. But the way that we were taught about it, was sort of mystical like the person giving the message wouldn't necessarily know the interpretation anyways it's not like they knew what they were saying and then right 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 um and and this is one of those areas where it was like it might even be one of the reasons that i'm still inclined to to believe this to some degree or at least to celebrate this to some degree nine times out of ten maybe 10 times out of 10 the messages that i usually heard given in those from that like the interpretations that were given were at worst 
all over the place, confusing, didn't make a whole lot of sense. And at best, we're almost always like God saying, hey, guys, thanks for singing to me. I love you. Appreciate I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Like at at best, they were just like us taking a moment to say, I think God wants to say that he really likes us and that he's happy that we're here and that we're doing this and that we're, you know, setting aside the time to focus. Um, but I, I, you know, I, probably about half of the time I can remember just thinking, I'm not sure that made any sense. I'm not sure the sure. I'm not sure the interpretation made more sense than the gibberish. Before. <laughs> well, so what I'm thinking, just like, all right, if if I'm gonna be a cynic because I'm not part of this tradition, um, yeah. So if you just remove all of the, you know, I, I'm not saying I don't believe that this is possible. I I I do, um, but if I were just like looking at it as a sociologist or something. Right. I would think, okay, well, this is a really cool democratizing power structure where anybody can stand up and say whatever they want, basically. Yeah, twice. Right? With <laughs> uh, with divine authority. And it's a, an authority that seems to be in some ways higher than even the hierarchy. Even the, even the, the preacher. Church. Yeah. And so, you know, I could see that there being, you know, it's a really good platform for somebody to stand up and say, you know, the Lord said that Joe Biden is a child molester and that right. uh, Donald Trump is secretly hunting him down right. or whatever. And so, you know, and I'm if, sure if you that have happens. a platform to do that, I'm sure. I'm certain sure it that does, yeah. Although if, if it doesn't happen a lot, that probably means there's also some social, again, looking at this as a cynic and, and as a sociologist, not as a... Um, like there's probably some social pressure to m- form your messages in a particular kind of way, right? Uh, and not be too um, divisive or something. But you know, I can just imagine somebody doing that, and then I can imagine, you know, being the it, whatever whatever side the of the aisle or whatever the the interpretation comes from. There's got to be somebody who gave up who spoke in tongues at some point who's like, oh, I really don't like that interpretation. Yeah. So I don't know. I would just be interested in how that all shakes out. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, that's interesting. It's an interesting way of putting it, though, and thinking of it that like, um, the fact that I can't really recall. I mean, with exceptions like layeth off Santa Claus for he doeth a good work. Like <laughs> that, I can't really recall very many times that someone. I mean, I can remember preachers saying just dreadful things. Um, in their sermons, uh, I don't remember very many times hearing a message like there was kind of a, at least a social pressure to say like, well, this has to be held to a certain standard. Um, that that there was at least a, like people would have said things in the lobby that they wouldn't have said in those moments. And that to me is kind of validating of the whole experience. It's like, well, yeah. if somebody's going to speak on behalf of God, it would seem that to some extent most everybody there had a a fairly objective even if nondescript even if it was just like not super like strong in any direction there was an, at least an a, an understanding that we're going to treat this with a level of sacredness um a, a level of sort of sanctity that we're not going to say you need to vote for Donald Trump thus saith the lord like we're not going to we're not going to let that kind of thing happen and and no one 
at least in in the the circles that I was in, I can't recall them ever using it for that. Um, so I was saying all of this. The reason that we even got on this tangent was to say this is something that I believed wholeheartedly at one point in my life, and that pretty much my entire whole social circle did. Yet we also would make fun of it constantly. We yeah, we sure. like we like sort of leaned into the absurdity of beliefs that we held very strongly. We were like, that's a big part of what it is to be charismatic. That's a big part of what it is to be a Holy Spirit-filled Christian. Um, and yet also, you know, it's one of the funniest things that we <laughs> have. And it, I, I don't know, reading this post from this pastor this morning gave me that, that bit of, mo- like, just... Wanted to hash it out a little bit. Like, what is that? What is the, <laughs> what is it that causes yeah. us to like believe and hold things sacred and like also say, and it's kind of absurd though, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a real insider kind of thing, right? Yeah. To, to be, um, I mean, even I think for us on this podcast, like the people who listen to this podcast by and large, I think are people who either are in some form of evangelicalism or were at one point. Because yeah. if not, you're not going to get the jokes. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And then I, and I do think there is like a, there is a healthy pressure of, of sanctity on this stuff too. Like, I, I don't think, I think there are people who would basically just stop listening if we took the approach of just tearing down all the time, just making fun of all of it without saying to some extent what we actually believe, I'm not saying like we do it for this, it's not a marketing decision, but if, if what, if all we did here was just make fun of Christianity, I don't think, I don't think that would work very well for our listeners. It certainly wouldn't work well for either one of us either. The, the conversation does revolve around the fact that we're sort of saying like, "Mm, there's something here that we can't shake. It's a whole lot of yeah. crazy stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff that's just like probably should be made fun of. Um, but then there's something about it that keeps winning in my head, that like keeps <laughs> keeps getting through, that keeps getting its its teeth in me. Um, well, yeah. I mean, and that, okay, so that leads us into what we're doing today. That's we, where we, we are. Did not mean to talk about speaking in tongues, I don't think at all, but it, we, we spent a lot of time on it, <laughs> which is cool. But, um, what we're what we're in the middle of is this long kind of meandering series saying if we're going to do this great repentance thing this changing our mind thing about uh, all this you know lots of stuff that we've that we that gave us crises of faith um well we we need to be about something yeah. and what are we going to be about well we're trying to figure out what it means uh to follow the teachings of Jesus like, what did Jesus talk about? So we dove into that. We've been in a couple of weeks now, I guess, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is like this biggest collection of Jesus's teaching. Um, and I think so far, after two weeks at it, we have gotten through one verse. Is that right? <laughs> we made like through that. one. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're doing these uh these <clears throat> so the Sermon on the Mount 
starts with beatitudes or blessings. Uh, and we did that first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that was last episode. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. And now we're, we'll do the other, you know, seven or eight. Um, cool. Yeah, let's... Beatitudes number two. Yeah, and this... Hashtag double blessed. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, beatitude number one it has has a caveat, you know? Blessed are the poor would make it a crazy... Uh, and and that's some of what we talked about was like, well... Maybe that's actually what he meant. Like he was actually saying that is what Luke yeah, says. That is what Luke right? says. He just, just says the poor, um, but Matthew at least gives us a caveat on that. He at least says maybe it's the poor in spirit. Maybe it's just maybe it has something to do with this recognition that I need God or I need um, th- th- that there's a blessing in that. But beatitude number two for me has no caveat um, in either place. I don't know if it even appears in in Luke because Luke's list is shorter. Um, yeah, it does. It's there. Uh, blessed are those who mourn is such a weird sentence. That yeah. one's screwy. Uh, there yeah. is no caveat. It's like, it's just happy. Uh, if that's, you know, not an interpretation we really love, but you're lucky. Congratulations. You're mourning. Happy are those who mourn blessed yeah. are those who mourn this is this is definitely a, a different direction what kind of thoughts do you have on on this one to get us started well <clears throat> so i mean i think there's a sense in which it's just obviously crazy right yeah uh it, you know especially if you're going with happier this morning but i think there's also a sense in which it's just obviously true um you know, blessed are those who mourn because to mourn means that you have loved. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You only, um, you know, it's trite. Better, you know, better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. But it is it is true that you only mourn something to the extent that it, it moved you. Um, so you've had something real in your life when you mourn. Yeah, that's true. There, that's... That's pretty profound. That makes me wonder something about. Um, this is just a convert. This is a conversation I need to have at some point in this, in the Sermon on the Mount conversations. Um, but that to me sounds a little bit, uh, maybe uh, Buddhist. That <laughs> it sounds a little bit like, you know, you are be here, experience your your feelings. Find the grat, you know, the causes for gratitude, or the you know, separate yourself from your feelings and and recognize them as I don't know if the word blessings would fit into, and I'm butchering Buddhism here, but I'm I'm bringing it up for I'm <laughs> yeah. bringing it up for a reason too because there is actually there are some who believe that a fair amount of the Sermon on the Mount is taken from Buddhist teachings, and I think these first two would is either taken from or informed like it's the chicken and egg kind of thing um i'd be interested to hear if that plays into any of your research on if you've ever stumbled into that i have i find it historically suspect 
um, that that Jesus is directly influenced by by Buddhist teaching. I just don't think there's a a real serious route for that to happen. There's no Twitter. I mean, um, he would have right. had to go further than he could go. But I I mean, there there's no denying the fact that there is some commonality in the teaching. Yeah. Um, because I think these are wisdom teachers, right? And Jesus is a wisdom teacher, as was the Buddha, as was, you know, Muhammad. Um, and they're getting at something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, they're, they're getting at something deep down and true. And Well, you got like, you got to think, too, that there were other people who are, air quote, wisdom teachers uh, that we just don't know about now. Because there wasn't well, as sure. much staying power to what, like, if you discover that uh, the teachings of the Buddha that's, that stuck around and the teachings of, the, of Jesus that stuck around and the teachings of Muhammad that stuck around, they all kind of sound like the same kinds of truths. It was like, well, yeah, well, yeah the true stuff stuck around. <laughs> the the yeah. stuff that was actually wise, you didn't, it, it didn't have an expiration date on it. And it, and it helped um, people. Right. Yeah, people found it um, useful in their lives, and so that yeah. so they passed it on, right? Yeah, I, I think you know your your point about sort of experiencing even. Um, well, let me say two things about this. One, um, there is a sense of of reversal here. We talked about that last time. That like this is a all of this kind of is a great reversal, right? Um, you see this more with this one in Luke. Uh, Luke says, blessed are those who, who mourn now for they shall laugh. Yeah. And, and then there's a curse in Luke. There's blessings and curses. Cursed are those who are laughing now. They will mourn. Yeah. Uh, so you see that kind of reversal, but, but you have it here too in a, in a, I think a better way, a a way that makes more sense to me. Blessed are those who mourn for they're going to be comforted. Like that is one of the blessings of mourning. Uh, there's there's sort of the past thing that, well, the fact that you're mourning means that you have loved. But there's also the present or future thing that the fact that you're mourning means people are going to come around you and they're going to make casseroles and they're going to just show up and be there with you. And that, too, is a blessing. Yeah. Huh. Right? Yeah. Um, but so so there is there is a sense of reversal of like shifting uh the what's what is the blessing about this is that things are shifting things are changing but also you know to your point that's the perhaps more buddhist point about being in the moment that maybe even the morning itself um is is to be called blessed like that's just so antithetical to to kind of what gets tossed around in church not just the church honestly it's in the culture like but this shit about oh well she's in the she's in a better place now yeah um and people i shouldn't say shit people are because it's a bad word (laughs) right (laughs) um when when people say things like she's in a better place now or heaven needed another angel they're trying to be comforting right? right they're trying to be kind um but the thing that they're really doing is they're dismissing your mourning, 
right? They're saying, don't, don't be sad because it's really fine. Yeah. And what Jesus wants to say is, no, to mourn is, is blessed. This, yeah. That's uncomfortable. You have to sit in that. This is, this is the kind of hippie that I am. This is a, a phrase I'm using from time to time now. This is the kind of white guy I am, the, the kind of white hippie that I am. Uh, it has nothing to do with whiteness except that hippie <laughs> culture has, except for as much as hippie culture has to do with whiteness. But the, I see Jesus so frequently like celebrating that life, that being alive is a good thing. Like even the idea that he likes his favorite title for himself is son of man to me is like God going around and saying like, look at my fingers. You see this? I have fingers, (laughs) right? It's crazy. I'm like a man. I'm a person. I'm a human. And that's good. Like it just seems like so much of Jesus is celebrating what it is to be human, celebrating that being alive that being a human is a good thing and some of the sermon on the mount some of the beatitudes in particular are these sort of reminders that he's trying to say like it's a privilege there's a songwriter that i really love that has a line in one of his songs that he just says it's a it's a privilege to live and to die um that some of what jesus might be saying now i'm not saying that i agree with i'm not saying that like even if you're mourning you're lucky to be alive anyways, even if you're suffering, that you're lucky to be alive anyways. Um, I do think that, even though that's not the articulation they would use, but I do think there is a sort of Buddhist element to that that's like, you're here. Um, And the Western version of Buddhism is all about gratitude. And so it, it is, you know, it becomes, you're here, so be thankful for that. Find a way to be thankful for the fact that you're here. And I don't know, some, some of that gets through to me. Some of that checks out for me that like blessed are the, those who mourn it might just be one of Jesus's ways of saying like, I have fingers, like I'm a person. I can, I feel pain and it's yeah. good to feel. Yeah. It's good to get to feel. Um, maybe that's because to feel pain is to know joy. Maybe that's to, to say like one, the yin and the yang of it all. Like if you don't have the, the morning you can't have the comfort you you can't have the laughter um and maybe he's not giving advice at all <laughs> he might just be observing just naming yeah he might it. just be like saying this seems to be true to me yeah <laughs> yeah next one yeah. blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth hmm well good for them any thoughts about that? That's a. It's actually a direct quote from the Psalms, uh, Psalm thirty-seven, eleven. Really? Okay. Uh, have you seen Life of Brian? Monty Python. Uh, I I have, but it's been years ago, okay. and I was just thinking. I maybe it was from doing this that I was thinking I I wanted to see that again. What is there one about the meek? I know that there's the, the peacemaker yeah, yeah. joke. Um, yeah, the meek. The, the meek was just. I just made that joke. It's funnier in the movie, but they were just like, "Well, good for them." <laughs> like, oh, it was just like they need something. <laughs> yeah. Blessed are the right. meek, and the joke that they play is like, "Oh, well, it's about time they got something." 
Uh, I got a blessing from Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what's your thought on this one? Because I, 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 I have my thoughts. Uh, I don't know how, how based in any kind of good theology or good... Um, under- well, what, you, go, you go first. Well, I, I, to me, this is about humility, um, that Jesus is teaching that there is, uh, joy to be found, reason for congratulations, reason in a level of humility, in a level of, uh, but he's also like, when you, when you put it in the context of the other things, he's kind of saying like, well, if you're poor, if you're mourning, you're also meek, you're in a position of not necessarily elected meekness so i don't this one this one hits me two different ways because it's kind of like for me most of these things are things that i have to wrestle with like well how do i elect to be meek so that i might be blessed yeah um because i'm not exactly born into structures that uh require meekness that require me to live in humility um but I, i think jesus is actually saying i'm looking at a group of people who are meek. They have inherited meekness. And to them, I would like to say, actually, you're going to inherit the entire earth. Um, so yeah, this one, this one hits me more as like both a naming of a thing and an actual teaching. I've always heard it as a, as a, as a teaching to me to say like, can you well, be yeah, meeker? I mean, that's, it, it does go back to that question of like, like you indicated, is it, is Jesus telling us to do something here? Or is he just noticing? Yeah. Um, which I think is something to uh, to be wrestled with throughout. I don't know that there's an answer, um, or I, it might be a both and kind of yeah. thing. Um, interesting sidebar about that to inherit the earth. You know, we talked a lot last time about what the kingdom of heaven means. So I won't rehash all that. But if you want to go back and listen to the last episode. Um, kingdom of heaven means heaven means the the reign of God, the rule of God coming to earth, yeah. right? So to inherit the earth is to is I think synonymous with to inherit the kingdom. Um, it might also you know Jesus might also have in mind this narrative of like a reversal of the Genesis curse, right? In in Genesis, um. Adam Never given the land. Yep. Um, this is actually the the word used in in Psalm thirty seven that, that he's quoting from is the meek shall inherit the land. Uh, so Adam and Eve are given the land and told to to work it to be to make it fruitful and to make it multiply. Yeah. Um, so to inherit the the earth or inherit the kingdom. Um, is not just a promise of a blessing. It's also like a job. Yeah. It's, it's a job description. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I will say the um, this is another one. I, I made quite a few comments in the first two episodes in the Jesus series about American evangelicalism, and I think this is another one, um, almost, almost more like a joke, um, but how great to think about the earth being the inheritance of American evangelicalism (laughs) when they are like the, the climate change denying like diesel truck driving 
screw the earth i don't care uh we're not going to be here much longer anyways if at the end of the day there's yeah, this like right. turn of <laughs> that god's like here's your gift <laughs> the earth that you ruined oh yeah, yeah. oh a great reversal yeah, of you'll you'll inherit the earth that you yeah, up. yeah yeah good job with the earth thanks yeah. for taking care of it um which wow. has been occurring to me here lately as like an incredibly um I'm I'm late to the party on this, but actual like care for the environment and and looking at these things is now occurring to me more and more as an incredibly spiritual conversation because it mm-hmm. is it is once again um it becomes about the future. It's the it's the same sort of thing as the mask mandates and the whatever. It's a question of like, well, I don't care what I think the American evangelical position by and large or at least the conservative um, American evangelical position, which I don't, I don't think there's a difference, um, was basically like, what do we care about the earth? Um, that's not our problem. It's our grandkids problem. It's our great grandkids problem. It's our, it's like, it's not our problem because it won't affect us. I'm just seeing this as an incredibly, uh, arrogant and selfish, uh, conversation. And and that to me makes this a fun little teaching of Jesus to be like, oh, you're you're a Christian, you're a follower of my teachings, you consider yourself to be meek and in all the ways that you're supposed to be meek and humble in all the ways. I'll give you a gift for that: uh, the earth. <laughs> <That's you. laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, it's also it has to do with like Jesus is going to come back and yeah suck us up away from the earth and burn it all up. So what does it matter? Yeah. Um, you know, which we've, we, we hashed out. Yeah. In, what were those episodes called? M- motorboating father Abraham Gross. or something. And don't buy any green yeah, bananas. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's not the biblical vision, but that is, I mean, that informs that kind of not caring about. Yeah, it's true. The planet. Um, we kind of talked about the next one. Blessed, I think, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Did we talk yeah. about that in connection with the yeah. poor? Um, so we can skip that if you want. the The word righteousness means uh, is is the exact same word as the word for justice. Um, so this could mean people who are like hungering for doing good. Right, Matthew could have spiritualized this because the Lucan version is just blessed are those who are hungry. Yeah, <laughs> which seems more in line with what is happening here, like Jesus noticing these things that we would normally call not blessed, yeah. uh, and saying, "No, you're, you're blessed." And so, the Lucan version is blessed are the hungry, um, and Matthew could be spiritualizing that, or he could be saying. No, people who need bread are hungering and thirsting for justice, for systems that that uh, cause them not to be in yeah. need. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, so the next one is uh, is one I have some some preacher thoughts on, and uh, and probably some uh, Christian way thoughts on. The next blessed yeah. are the merciful. Blessed are it. the blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Yeah. I. I love this. This is my favorite beatitude. Um, if you're allowed to have favorites, this is this is the one I like <laughs> the most. Um, and my my preacher take on this 
um, is that this concept of mercy, of biblical mercy, of the mercy that I think Jesus refers to here, is a really interesting one because Jesus talks a lot about forgiveness um, of, of sins, of people who have wronged you. Like Jesus teaches that a lot. But then mercy is this, mercy is taking forgiveness a step further to, I don't know, I've, I've actually, I've, I've used the phrase predetermined forgiveness <laughs> as kind of a, a standing definition for mercy. That's just kind of like entering into relationships and conversations and, you know, opening your Facebook every day and saying like, okay, before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and forgive everybody for all the shit they're going to say. I'm going to go, like, before I go to Thanksgiving dinner, mercy is saying, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and forgive uh, these people for judging me for not being married yet or judging me for <laughs> being attracted to the people that I am attracted to or whatever kinds of things come up around that table. I think Jesus teaches something profoundly pragmatic and useful here. Um, it fits very well into our Christian way of, like, don't be a dick. Well, one of the one great way for that is just to predetermine in every conversation ever. Like, I'm likely to be offended if we get <laughs> if we get real here. I'm going to get offended. I'm going to go ahead and decide though that I'm going to forgive the offense uh, before it starts, and that Jesus would teach. Well, you live like that, then you live as a person who receives mercy as well. And I I think yeah. that that verse of scripture right there, that beatitude, is a sermon um, and, a, and a cool one. Can I tell you, like, this is one that I, I'm, I'm just discovering right now. Like, I mean, not like I'm just learning this for the first time, but I am, I am rediscovering today that I suck at this. That <laughs> <laughs> this one. Right? That I'm not a very good follower of yeah. Jesus on yeah. this point. Yeah. Because I get offended and I get, and, and my tendency is uh, to to fight when yeah. I get offended. Um, yeah. And to some and extent, we kind of like it somewhat. Like, it, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. It's like, well, it's, it, it makes the story, it makes the story about me a little bit. Uh, you know, there, there's some, there's some, there's some neurons that fire off and some, <laughs> some, uh, is it dopamine or whatever? Like there's some chemicals that just knowing that I'm in it, like knowing that I, that I'm part of the yeah. conversation, uh, is right. But yeah, to me, this is, um, yeah, I, I like it. Another opportunity for us to say like, you don't have to do the way of Jesus. I do think that this is a pretty objectively clear teaching of Jesus is a predetermined forgiveness is like to sort of walk around saying, I'm going to be offended and I'm going to be fine with that. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to have my opinions. It doesn't mean that I'm going to uh, bend over backwards. And, you know, once we even get into, like, what does it mean to uh, to turn the other cheek? Like, I think there is a third-way, nonviolent, like, revolution thing that's happening here. Because nobody would have ever—they would have never murdered Jesus for saying, everybody just be a little nicer, please. Be nice, everybody. Everybody, can we just calm down, be a little nicer around it? Like, you don't kill somebody for that. He's— He's moving something forward, but I think at a personal level, at a very pragmatic personal level, Jesus is teaching something here that is, it's profound, that the addiction to being offended and to engaging in those conversations and the, the little hits that they do bring um, to our brain, 
that it's basically at the end of the day probably not worth it. <laughs> it's it's probably <laughs> not worth the the impact that it has on our anxiety um and and ultimately our relationships and like there's something to be said for the most merciful among us are the ones who are keeping society together uh and yeah. without them uh this this turns into martial law pretty quickly uh <laughs> <laughs> there's a great um a, a parabolic uh description of this beatitude in Luke 16 it's one of my favorite parables because it's so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's only in Luke. And I'm going to, I might butcher it a little bit because I don't have the text right in front of me, but people can look it up. Luke 16. Uh, so it's, it's this guy who works for, um, you know, a wealthy business owner. And the, he, he finds out that he's going to be fired from his job. And so he's like, what do I do? I'm going to be fired. On my last day, I'm going to call in all of my boss's clients and I'm going to cut their debts in yeah. half, right? So I'm going to I'm just going to wreck my um my boss's business. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to wreck his bottom line. Yeah. But I'm going to make a lot of friends. Uh maybe so I can secure myself a job somewhere else or whatever because I know I'm going to get fired. Uh and so the boss finds out what the guy did. And and keeps him on, uh, he says, because of his dishonest dealings, <laughs> he congratulates him. And because he shows these people mercy. Um, and, you know, so Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, who we had on in his book, God's Economy, his interpretation of this is, well, all these uh, clients are now super excited about the company right? because they got their debts yeah. cut in half. And if he fired the guy who did the thing that made all of his clients happy, uh, then he's going to lose all those clients. And so he like secured himself a yeah. job by kind of tricking his boss. Um, and so there's an explanation of the parable, which like we normally don't get. And the explanation is, so make friends for yourself by dishonest use of wealth or something <laughs> like that. Um, like, blessed are the merciful, yeah. for they will receive yeah. mercy. Uh, what a cool yeah. parable. If, if, yeah, <laughs> even if it, I mean, this is a, another conversation for another day for sure, but like, I mean, you said some last week that, it, uh, and in the first week, that if we if we follow out the Sermon on the Mount, we can't have a military, we can't have a police force, we can't have a government, really. You can't have a functioning society by these standards. Uh, and this is one of those where it's like, and Luke 16 is a great example, uh, and just this, this beatitude itself is a great example how Jesus is anti-capitalism. <laughs> like, the idea, that is, Luke 16 is an anti-capitalism um, parable if nothing else it is so clearly saying like the bottom line can't be the bottom line uh that that's just you're applauded for being merciful uh even though it costs the company money uh yeah interesting all right so the next one is blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god yeah what do you think of that <laughs> um I have a lot on that. 
that's uh <laughs> well yeah yeah i mean this i think the uh the the best through line to draw on this one is to matthew 25 is to point to jesus teaching this um this final judgment conversation where he basically says um you you are righteous when you fed the hungry when you took care of the poor when you visited the prisoner in in prison um because whenever you did those things you did them to me you did them for me like one of the one of the great reveals of the kingdom of god of everything that jesus ever taught is that you know, to borrow a phrase here that I'm still wrestling with myself from like Richard Rohr's teachings is that Jesus taught us that the Christ is in all, that, that yeah, all people right. are Christ, that all people are made in the image of God, that actually they are God collectively. They are who God is. So this blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God, I think may actually be teaching something deeply theological and and sort of what should be doc, doctrine doctrinal for us um that part of what it is to be pure in heart is to notice that every person you see is god how you treat every individual that you ever face is how you treat god um and it's a chicken and egg thing it's kind of like well how you see god informs how you treat those people so a lot of people are like yeah, that's why I judge LGBTQ people so harshly because I know that God does. Like personally, I don't really care. I wouldn't, I wouldn't arrive at that. Like that's that was my experience early on in my evangelical upbringing. Was like just kind of came into the world thinking love is love and everybody's fine and everybody deserves to kind of care for each other and all that. It, it was my Christian faith, my air quote Christian faith, that taught me. Um, that God is a lot more withholding than that. And then that taught me to be a lot more withholding than I just naturally was to begin with. Um, and so I I think that's a, a cool little thing that Jesus is teaching here about being pure in heart. And that's who sees God on the regular. Yeah. And the interesting thing is those people in Matthew 25, didn't know that they had seen exactly. Christ, right? They were all like, well, we didn't know. I mean, we were like feeding these homeless people, but we didn't, we, you didn't come through the line, right? We don't we didn't remember think about it being you. you. Yeah. And so, I mean, to see, maybe the pure in heart are, maybe again, this is just a naming. The pure in heart are seeing God all the time. Yeah. And they just don't know it. Yeah. Um, the pure in heart part, I think, is another like through line. You talked about mercy being a real through line in Jesus's teaching. Um, I think the pure in heart is too, especially in this sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it shows up in it. We'll, we'll get to episodes on it, I'm sure. But, um, you know, a lot of this stuff about you can come and pray in the street corners and in the synagogue and, uh, you know, and you can pray real loud in church and then, that's just so everybody can see it. Um, and that's all you're doing. You know, you, you'll get a couple pats on the back and that's, that's all that's really for. You can give a lot of money, um, so that you can put your name on a building and you'll feel good about that. And, but that's all that that you're going to get. Um, 
Right. Rather than what what really matters is what we're doing in secret. What really matters is what we do when nobody sees it. I think that purity of heart yeah. that like um, that our intentions are not about showing something. Um, yeah. Well, I think um, it's either Pete Holmes or Michael Gunger. It seems like maybe it was from a conversation. They, they did a podcast episode together and talked. So it could have been either one of them said something to the effect of um, there are times that the teachings of Jesus seem to, so this is probably Gunger since he's actually like taken the side of um, there are times that the teachings of Jesus seem to indicate that truly humanitarian atheism is the purest form <laughs> of following in the footsteps of Jesus. Like someone who is so committed to caring for others that they actually don't even care anymore whether God's watching. They're not even thinking about like, if God doesn't want me <laughs> oh, to yeah. do this, then I don't care what God yeah. wants. Like that that might actually be the purest form of the pursuit mm. of the way of Jesus is to say like, yeah. uh, if, if God doesn't want me to care for, L if God wants me to hate LGBTQ people, well then screw God. What do I care? I'm, I'm going to care. I, I would care for these people over trying to please that kind of God anyways. And that's a really and insightful. That's, Cause yeah. that's, it is a form of Jesus teaching about, um, if you're praying really loud so that people can see yeah. you, um, well, if you are, doing your charity work or doing whatever so that God can yeah. see you. Well, that's, I mean, in some ways it's the same yeah. thing. Well, and ultimately <laughs> if you're not doing it because you just love this yeah, person. Yeah. There's no, it's the, it's the altruism conversation of, of faith. I, I think we, yeah. this came up at one point in the, uh, I don't want to take this like five layers deep if it doesn't need to be, but um, in atonement theology, I think we talked about at one point that, seems like maybe it was Martin Luther that taught that really the only way to truly be saved is to desire hell for yourself. Like to actually like yeah. to really, really accept this is to say, I want um, eternal conscious torment punishment for myself um, because that's what I deserve. You actually have to believe that you deserve it to the extent that you would even desire it for yourself in order to even have a possibility of being saved because otherwise everything you're out, you're doing is, is selfishly motivated. <laughs> like every decision I ever yeah. make is not altruistic. It's just like, why did you care for those people? Cause I thought God might be watching, right? Cause I, I want my stockings to be filled by the <laughs> chimney with cheer. Like <laughs> why? Cause, cause Santa Claus is coming to town <laughs> and I right. want to be, I want to be on the good list. Yeah. So I, yeah, Pure in heart. Next um, is the cheesemakers. Really, everybody last, in dairy. Yeah, the cheesemakers. <laughs> Blessed are the cheesemakers. Anybody <laughs> in dairy. Um, That's the line, isn't it? It doesn't just mean. It doesn't just remember. mean cheesemakers. It means everyone in dairy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. I gotta rewatch that movie. It's been a while. Yeah, me too. Uh, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. What's it mean to make peace? Well, I mean, there, so obviously there's got to be a, an international um, 
uh, resonance to this. But I think in in the gospel, well, yeah, Matthew, we gotta we gotta protect Israel and defend them no matter what. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole lot about like interpersonal conflict, right? Um, you know, Jesus said, "You've heard it said, don't murder, but I say, like, don't even get mad and call people names." Yeah. Or, you know, there's, you've mentioned a lot of stuff about forgiveness. There's actually a direct parallel of this um, saying in later, later in the sermon. Um, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. They will be called children of God. There's a parallel. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in yeah. heaven. So, you know, it seems like. To be a peacemaker means to love your enemies and pray for those yeah. who persecute you. Which, I mean, you know, this is the thing about loving your enemies. Um, you know, what happens when you actually do love your enemies is they're not your enemies anymore. They become something else, uh, at least at least from your side. You can't control what they do on their side, but on your side... To choose to love an enemy is to choose to no longer allow them to be an enemy in your heart. And this yeah. is this is what making peace is. It is it is this kind of um, agreement, a decision. Maybe it's mercy at work again. Maybe it's this sort of like predetermining uh, that whatever happens here, we're gonna work out. We're gonna work it out. <laughs> we're gonna figure out a way forward that that is peaceful and that cares for both sides and that um yeah this this is this is a, a a all of it is but but this one is particularly like just irreconcilable with militant american christendom for me like this is just one of those things that like how do you but it, and and the reason that i say that is because it also happens to be a verse of scripture that militant Christians would use to say this is why we must um, have a strong military that goes and you know kills who needs to be killed this is why we have to have uh, capital punishment uh, which was just ruled on in South Carolina here recently to say we'll do lethal injection unless we don't have it then maybe we'll do the firing squad then maybe we'll do the electric chair like we'll just do whatever but these people got it we gotta we gotta put them down um, <laughs> it's why we gotta carry why? guns because if the good guys have the guns, yeah. they'll you know they'll shoot all the bad guys who are shooting, which we've seen a lot of, a lot of every, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and so it is super problematic. Um, I, on the other side of that, I think I often. Um, heard this I don't know if it, like people would necessarily cite the beatitude but th this notion of being a peacemaker um, to sort of discourage people from speaking up about injustices I mean on a broad scale we see it like with the Black Lives Matter protests when they have become in any protest really when, when they have um led to violence and to some rioting and stuff, then, you know, oh, well, let's just dismiss the whole project because this is not what it's, uh, you know, um, only peaceful pro protests 
account. But of course, if Colin Kaepernick then quietly takes a knee, we also call him a devil. Right. Right. Um, whatever. But like, you know, any time we'll see this later in the Sermon on the Mount that for G- Jesus is not um, like he he's not advocating for anybody to take anybody's bullshit. Um, like, because some of what he says is quite, uh, you know, about like even when you get it turning a cheek, going the other mile, um, you know, it's not, it's not a doormat kind right. of position. Right. Um, and so I just want to flag that here. I don't know that there's something here that can be, uh, pointed to, but well, I just want peacemaking can't mean just sitting quietly right. and allowing injustices to happen, um, in order to make everybody feel comfortable. That's, it's not, it, it's not, Blessed are those who make everybody feel comfortable. Yeah. Blessed are those who don't step on any toes. Blessed are those who don't right because like, the same because yeah. the the same Christ, fully, fully living out this teaching, does charge the temple and flip tables over, <laughs> and, and gets, him gets himself killed. killed by the state because he is a danger. Yeah. He he he's yeah. inciting a revolution in their eyes uh, that is dangerous to their systems that exist. Um, yeah, I, I just think these teachings are the, the peacemaking teaching in particular is just one that is avoided on, on either side because even the doormat approach to this is not one that American evangelicalism has ever been willing to take whatsoever. Like if you really did take the, the, the second way nonviolence, like, or non-confrontational, like, just let everybody have their own way. Well, then you don't result, you, you don't arrive at uh, American conserva- conservatism. You don't arrive at, like, persecution outrage and all of these different things if you, if you took it that way. So they don't take it like that. Yeah. Even the people who say that, they only mean it selectively. I guess that's what I'm saying. You're right. It's only a way to they're skirt the issues saying, that we don't want to yeah, deal with. They're only saying that whenever we're talking about an issue that you don't want to address um, wh- yeah, what's really right. being talked about. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that stuff to get into the uh, the the third way. Like, well, wait a second, how does the guy who tells everybody to be a nice guy incite a revolution? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, last beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I think this is this is about like when you go to the mall at, mm-hmm. in December and people wish you happy holidays. Yeah, easily. No, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, that's <laughs> 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 yeah, for sure. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, this this is going to come out more and more. Even the next verse or the next couple of verses. Um, that address this issue, I think are something that is worth, uh, worth a lot of time to talk about. Like what, what does Jesus mean whenever he talks about being persecuted for righteousness sake? Because if we start making it about, you know, having to hear happy holidays at the mall, having to bake cakes for gay people, having to, like, if we make it about that, we are ignoring something, uh, glaringly obvious in the life ministry and teachings of Jesus. And that is that he is only ever persecuted by 
it wasn't called the church, but we'll call it the church. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> right, by Jesus was only ever persecuted yeah. by religious authorities. He never once talks about or addresses the ways that the sinners of his state are making it hard for him to live. The sinners of his day are, he, <laughs> right. that is not a thing. People who are terribly unlike Jesus, way unlike Jesus, really like Jesus. They like to be around him. It is religious people who would have who would appear to have the most in common with a Jewish rabbi that that persecute him. This is what he yeah, means whenever yeah, he talks right. about persecution. The the persecution complex in American Christianity is just so fucking ludicrous. <laughs> Um, I mean, I remember, I, I think I posted on Facebook about this recently, that uh, there's this um, Ray Bolts, who, tur- it turns out, I didn't know this until after I posted this, a friend told me he's gay, and and out now, and like a, um, Ray Bolts is like this 90s icon of, of evangelical Christian music, and now he's out and like a big advocate of LGBTQ rights yeah. and uh and stuff in the church. Uh, he's, so he's cool. one of those that uh, <laughs> I don't want to be unkind here, uh, but I do think there's just something that's obviously like if you go back and watch, there are Ray Bolts like music videos and stuff. He's one of those uh, Kevin Max is as well. The DC talk guy that you sent me uh, something from him mm-hmm. the other day that he's, he's being more and more vocal about his ex Um But if you go back and look at videos of them and interviews and stuff and you're like, Oh, would you believe me if I told you that he is gay and out now or that he's an advocate for LGBTQ rights in the crew? Like, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that glorious <laughs> mullet. Yeah, in the yeah. 90s. yeah. Ray Bolts just looks like every other gay guy uh, from the 90s, like every other <laughs> yeah. gay white man. There was kind of a look <laughs> uh, that, that right. he was he was definitely rocking it all along. Do you need me, do you need me to sing a few <laughs> yeah, Ray Bolts songs here? I wish you would. <laughs> I turned and but saw there, the hammer. <laughs> I nailed him there. <laughs> this child of peace and mercy. I nailed him there. That reads so much differently now. Oh, man, there was another great line from that song. Uh, oh, because, the, the, oh, man, I just I jumped to the end of the song. Early in the song, he's saying, who nailed him there? Come and face me like a man. (laughs) Don't you dare read it differently now. I just got you. No, (laughs) don't you dare. (laughs) He did a song or he did a a music video. I can't remember what the song is, but uh, where the, the point of the video is. And it's set in like current day, right? Because the guys, uh, the, the point of the video is this guy's uh, talking to his son, and he's coming. Uh, people are coming to arrest him, and and like yeah. execute him for being a Christian. And he's telling his son, like I, you know, my grandfather, they they could pray, and there was prayer in schools, and then you know they took that away from us, and we didn't say anything, and now here they're coming to, like, <laughs> to put us to death for being a Christian, which like scared the shit out of me when I had nightmares about this when I was a kid because I thought you know I just assumed this was true like oh well my family's a Christian like my family my family are Christians and 
obviously they're going to just come and take mm-hmm. us away. If the government finds yeah. out yeah. that, like, you know, if we put one of those Jesus fish on the back of our car, the, the government's going to send people to come and, like, take my parents away and kill them. Um, <laughs> which is just, like... Who? Who in your The, who in the your privileges yeah. that Christians have in this country is, like... You know, who who gets their holiday off? Who who does everyone like whose holidays does everyone yeah. in the country get off? It's ours. Um like who doesn't have to pay taxes? The person the church, the church <laughs> doesn't have to it was like why? Uh, cuz we don't want to. Okay. <laughs> the persecution complex in American Christianity is just so absurd. That's why we so blessed um, though. That <laughs> like you just I think we we ought to just stop reading this beatitude in America. It doesn't we don't know how to read it. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's one option. I do think that the beatitude has value, uh, but it needs it needs another line. Like it needs the Drew International version um, added to it. Yeah. I mean, it's like blessed are those who are persecuted by American evangelicalism. Like, the bottom line is, I think if Jesus were here today, he would say, you are blessed when you're persecuted by that thing that calls itself my church. Um, uh, because yeah. I think that's what he's saying yeah. at that time. He he is not talking about them being persecuted by the world around them even then. Like, the thing that we're saying here, this is absurd. This is this is the beatitude for the Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that we're saying that, he wasn't even saying that then. He wasn't even saying, blessed yeah, are you guys right. whenever your government comes against you and tells you you can't practice your Judaism anymore. It was like, well, they weren't doing that. That wasn't right. happening. It was, the, it was Judaism itself kind of at odds with where it was headed um, and, who, and who should be yeah, in charge. It was, it was just it was, a political, it was the it was religious a political religious um, argument, really. And... Yeah. The persecution that they faced was was driven by initially. I mean, eventually the government picks up on it too, um, but it's it's driven by the idea that hey guys, what we're doing here is raging against the machine of the religious powers that be, and I need you to know that you're going to be persecuted for that. I need you to know that people are not going to. And and this is one of those things that I I actually take some comfort in from time to time. You know, in my own slow painfully slow departure from american evangelicalism that at times i'm like i don't know if these people respect me anymore and i i I do at moments try to give myself some a little bit of a messiah complex about it and say like well i'm not sure these people would like jesus either like i I think maybe i'm in good company whenever i look around and say uh, all of the capitalistic powers that be uh, that that hold the structure of the church up they're all unhappy that that I'm talking about how there may not be a eternal damnation of everybody who doesn't say Merry Christmas. Um, I, I think that's what this is about. Um, and I hope that we get to get into more and more of it, um, in the weeks to come. So next week, I assume, are we going to pick up right where we're leaving off? Uh, a little more, yeah. So a little more talk on persecution possibly. And then, um, and then moving into 
the next parts of, uh, of Matthew chapter 5. Please uh, share this. Let it be the start of a conversation with you and somebody else. Send it to somebody that you think would really enjoy it and be encouraged by it. And then also send it to somebody that you know is going to really piss them off. Um, and then all three of you guys have a Zoom meeting together <laughs> and just see what comes of it all. Make sure you subscribe. Um, send us your own crises of faith. Uh, we, we would love to address any questions that come in at any time. And if there's particular issues, whether they're about Jesus or the Bible in general, that you just have big questions about, if you're starting to think of Joe and I as someone who like maybe could at least help you think through um, something, we want to hear those questions and uh, and see if maybe we can be a help or, uh, or at least we can crack some really good jokes for you about it all. Preacher is Jesus, a white guy, and does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Preacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? Or does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps? Thank you.